It's Sunday, October 6th, 2019. The NFL is concluding week five of the season. The Redskins lost today to the Patriots 33-7 to fall to 0-5. Five games, no wins, five losses. My name is Brent. This is Burgundy Blogcast, the official podcast of Burgundy Blog. And this is what I do. This is what I do after Redskins games. I sit down in my basement after the rest of my family has gone to sleep, and I talk about what happened in the game and what's happened in the season and where things are headed. I give observations, inclinations, predictions, and emotions. And some of you like to listen because maybe you can relate. Maybe it somehow enhances your fan experience. Maybe you agree or disagree or learn something new. Or somehow this blogcast just kind of expands your horizon. I don't know all the reasons why you people listen, but I often get positive feedback, which I appreciate. So it inspires me to continue, even when I lack independent motivation and tangible benefit. But I gotta be completely honest with you and say that these days, this whole thing is feeling a little bit pointless. I say that not only because the Redskins enter and exit every season as an afterthought for everyone other than their own fans and media, and not only because the adverse outcome of every game so far this particular season has felt very strongly like a foregone conclusion, but also because I think we've reached a point where interpretation of the Redskins' current condition is so simple as to hardly need analysis and as to make very challenging, even intelligent discussion. The individual plays and possessions and players and units and matchups and coaches and their decisions and even the outcomes of these games seem to me to hardly even matter anymore. And these are the little things that are supposed to make football, and in particular, following a single football team so interesting. These are the little things that are so critical to the big things i.e. winning versus losing, improving versus worsening, achieving versus disappointing, which I think are the broader narratives that draw us to sports in the first place. The little things for the Redskins don't matter anymore because they are all obscured and suffocated under the weight and pressure of futility born of absent or abdicated leadership. If the Redskins are instructive of anything, it is of the truth in the concept of groups or organizations taking on the personality and effectiveness of its leaders and going as its leaders go. And as the Washington Redskins have lacked effective leaders in ownership and executive management for these 20-some years, so they wander aimlessly through only the footnotes of NFL history. I said near the beginning that this podcast is starting to feel kind of pointless, mainly because I know that you know, all of you in your cars and offices and homes right now listening, already know the one thing is really the only necessary thing to be known about the Redskins right now, which is that the people in charge do not and cannot get it. And therefore, they have no hope for success, and we as fans have no hope for satisfaction. One of the big things coming into this game, uh, I suppose if anything could still be a big thing coming into a game for the Redskins right now, was, of course, that Gruden had finally decided to go with Colt McCoy as his starting quarterback. The context was that Case Keenum supposedly still has a somewhat injured foot, although he was healthy enough to practice several times this week. And of course, we know that in his last couple of games, Keenum was very bad. Further context is that uh, Dwayne Haskins is sitting there 
itching to get back in the saddle on a horse he is destined to ride, but he was not great in his NFL debut last week in relief of Keenum, and Gruden and other coaches have continued to insist that he's just not even close to being quote-unquote ready, whatever that has now come to mean. Most importantly of all, Jay Gruden has had a boner for Colt McCoy since the first time he ever saw him sling a gun. Jay Gruden clearly sees in Colt McCoy, Jay Gruden, which is to say a hardworking, plucky, tough, undersized, undertalented, likable, but ultimately not good enough NFL quarterback. And I started to foresee and tweet about this final opportunity for Colt McCoy as Jay's last stand or Jay's final act um, a couple of weeks ago and over these 10 to 14 days. Indeed, it became clear and inevitable, and Jay's kamikaze mission was engaged and today completed. At this moment, it seems pretty clear to me that this game was indeed the last page or the last meaningful page in the mostly unpleasant books on Jay Gruden's and Colt McCoy's Redskins tenures. So it will be hard for me to dissect this in great detail. In fact, I do not intend to. But I'll say this. Giving Colt McCoy four quarters today was not the best thing for the Redskins organization. That would have been giving Dwayne Haskins four more quarters of experience. But I do not fully begrudge Jay his prerogative in what certainly he knew had a good chance of being his last game in power to manufacture one last opportunity for this man, Colt McCoy, who has been the consummate good soldier for many years. I suspect that with Colt having been so snake-bitten by injury during his time here, irrespective, of course, of his own obvious failings as a player, but with Colt having been so beset by injury and unfortunate circumstances, and in particular last year, probably losing far more time to injury than was truly necessary due to more mismanagement by the Redskins' medical staff, I think Jay really felt like he was doing the right thing by Colt and the right thing by his team in giving this universally respected player at least this one last window. And again, it ultimately benefited no one, and in my opinion, should easily have been seen as very unlikely to benefit anyone. But in some very weird bro code sort of way, I cannot insist that it made zero sense. So I'm not going to kill Jay for it on his way out the door. It was not the smart move, but in a way, I respect it more than if he had simply cowed to the wishes of some superior. Perhaps going with his gut was made easier by the knowledge or intuition that at this point nothing was really going to save him anyway. That said, it would be negligent not to emphasize that McCoy really sucked today. I did not see one shred of evidence that in his current condition, that being his 10th season as a pro, his 5th-ish season, I think, of being in Jay Gruden's offense, having started 28 games in his NFL career, and having barely practiced in almost a calendar year due to injury, there was no evidence today that he's any better than Case Keenum, and I think some evidence that he's worse. He threw for only 119 yards, averaging 4.4 yards per attempt, which is dismal. He threw an ugly pick deep in his own territory. He took six sacks. He seemed rather unwilling or unable to take deep shots, which kind of nullified even his one semi-attractive quality in supposedly being a playmaker or at least a pursuer of plays. And he missed a lot of throws by quite a lot. He just looked bad and uh, poorly prepared, actually. I am aware that everything else around him was also in shambles, that the offensive line is terrible and that the running game doesn't exist. I am aware of those things, but even acknowledging those, it certainly did not seem to me like Colt McCoy gave the Redskins their very best chance to win today. Not that that should have even been the actual determining factor, in Gruden's decision. 
mind you. I mean, I'm the one who said the season was over two weeks ago, okay? But if Gruden was going to continue to hang his hat on best chance to win, Colt did not validate him in that particular decision calculus either. Colt was horrible. Dwayne Haskins needs to be named the starter of the Redskins tomorrow, both internally and externally, and he needs to not come out until after the calendar calendar year 2019 has passed. It is clearly time for him to start learning what it looks like when you're actually doing it. He is physically big enough, strong enough, and talented enough to protect himself beyond the standard ever-present risk of injury to all players. And if he is to become quote-unquote ruined by the experience of playing 11 full games with a bad NFL team, then I will personally believe and be quite confident that he was never destined to be a game-changing, franchise-altering starting quarterback anyway. In my opinion, there is nothing about his physical or mental makeup or his pedigree to suggest that he is too fragile to start playing for a weekly underdog. It just doesn't matter to me that he's going to take some hits and that he'll throw some picks. I know that he will. But if the Redskins somehow finish this season either not having a very strong opinion one way or another about his ability to eventually become that dude, or having failed to position him optimally to be an above-average week one starter in 2020, then they will have totally wasted, or at least partly wasted, these remaining three months of the season. Because there should be no greater goal than those for this organization right now. Not only will any one or two or three wins going forward through the remainder of this season be utterly inconsequential in the short, medium, and long term, but of course they actually stand to drive the team further from what could be an insanely valuable first-round draft pick, like one that could potentially land them another actual true game-changing individual or future-changing haul of picks in return. We're obviously in the territory of discussing and hoping for a top three pick here. No type of win under an interim head coach, even if it's Kevin O'Connell, and even if O'Connell is potentially going to stay, is worth trading access to a pick like that. It's just not. You're not going to convince me of that. So the quarterback decision for this team going forward in 2019 should be 100% about 2020 and beyond. You've got to start playing the guy who needs to get better. The other guys were destined to be short-timers. They were band-aids who have since been ripped off. Jay Gruden certainly needs to get fired tonight or tomorrow, but not because he isn't an average or mediocre coach. That I think he is. And yes, I'm saying that in a strangely complimentary way. And certainly not because anyone should expect the team to actually get better or start having real success for having dismissed him. That will not happen. But he needs to go because it's just obvious and plain that the natural course of his time here is up. He's not adding anything to the equation anymore. Some of these players may love him, and Chris Thompson may have cried in the locker room tonight at the very prospect of Jay being fired. But they have reached a point where they are not only losing, uh, they are losing every game, regardless of the caliber of their opponent, and they are getting smoked in all of them. These games are now all losses and all lopsided losses. Continuing to employ him in his current capacity would imply, at least on some level, tolerance and acceptance of this humiliating situation. And you just can't have that. At some point, you have to declare loudly and obviously that it's totally unacceptable and we passed that point long ago. He's not getting through to them anymore and there's no way he's going to get that back. If he wasn't a dead man walking before today, he certainly is now. And you have to just end the charade. Honestly, firing him tonight would allow him probably to leave with more dignity 
than allowing him to continue with no vote of confidence. Jay has not been a total disaster of a head coach with the Redskins. He led them to a better record in his time than many of his predecessors under the same ownership and executive management. He kept things together as best he could. He developed a few players and made more out of Kirk Cousins than any of us ever expected. And for most of his time here, the Redskins were not a complete pushover, except of course on prime time, in which case they always were. He wasn't good, but he wasn't awful. Most importantly, he clearly was not a transcendent leader of men, which may be a totally unrealistic ask in your next hire for head coach. But if you're not aiming for that with the Redskins right now, you may as well not be aiming or trying at all because it is going to take that. It is probably going to take a true genius like the next Belichick to pull the Redskins up in spite of themselves. Jay has proven, without a doubt, to use one of his favorite phrases, that he is not that. So it's time to part ways, and if it's obviously time to part ways, then it's time to part ways now, because no one benefits from him coaching out the string. Personally, I do think the interim should be Kevin O'Connell. Not because I'm like so totally sure that he is the perfect coach in waiting to take over the job and run with it next year, but because he is obviously the only one on the current staff who even might be. There is zero upside with any of these other options, even the ones with previous head coaching experience like Callahan or Tom Sula, even the ones who have previously been coordinators like Rob Ryan or Ray Horton. None of those guys, no way any of those guys is leading your team into next year. So who the hell really cares what they can do with this year? There's nothing to resurrect here. There's nothing to redeem. Nobody even wants them to start winning more games this year. The only useful thing that you potentially could learn, not even necessarily will learn, but could learn from handing the team over to somebody who's currently in the building is whether or not Kevin O'Connell plus Dwayne Haskins equals something special. That is frankly a reach. It is a possibility, not a probability. They are a talented coach and a talented player, but they are at this moment extremely unproven talented individuals in view of who they are hoping to become. So again, I think the most valuable thing that can and must be learned over these next few months is the answer to the question, what is Dwayne Haskins made of? But after that, what the Redskins would do well to investigate thoroughly is, what is the personality of the team? What is the competitiveness of the team? Does this have the appearance of a professional outfit when Dwayne Haskins and Kevin O'Connell are in charge together? We obviously wouldn't be seeing a polished final product. We would be seeing only the seeds, but you got to try to glean something from it. Do not waste this valuable time in live action under crusty old Bill Callahan, who apparently has lost a grip on the definition of holding. The Redskins should now begin selling off all depreciating assets immediately. They should be trying to trade Trent Williams and Ryan Kerrigan for whatever they can get, because even if the former had not already been completely alienated, the team has no realistic hope of being competitive again while they are still in their primes. I think they should actually consider cutting Josh Norman even if there's not a big cap benefit because he's not a very good player right now to begin with, and they may as well just see what some other young guys look like in his place. I have very, very little use for any individuals over 25 at this point. It really does not matter if you can recoup fair mar market value for any of them, because their current franchise value is negligible, and something is better than nothing. Of course, none of this is actually at all likely to happen, because Bruce Allen is a football moron. It is truly mind-boggling to me that right now, at this very moment, as I sit here and record this podcast, Dan Snyder might be somewhere sharing a room, sharing a table with Bruce Allen, looking at him, speaking with him, and thinking that yes, some hard decisions need to be made, but it is wise and necessary for Bruce to be making those decisions with me. How could Dan Snyder still think that this man is part of the solution? How is it possible? 
It truly defies belief. Under his direction, all Redskins fans everywhere have come to hate both of them. The only possible answer is this. He just likes having him around. It is inconceivable that he thinks that Bruce Allen is actually good for the success of the franchise. It is essentially a scientific fact that he is not. I think he is still around and he will remain around because Dan likes talking to him, Dan likes drinking with him, and he makes Dan feel like Dan is connected to the team on the field and the other owners and key players in the league. If you remove Bruce from the equation, Dan would become not only an extremely unsuccessful owner, but also one completely detached from involvement with the team, or at least the roster and staff, and from the other fancy, important, rich people behind the shield. He's too awkward and unnatural to interact with those people otherwise. Bruce is his liaison, his interpreter, his facilitator, his proxy for making important draft picks and high-profile hires, and those things are more important to him than the product on the field and the team's overall reputation. And that is why I resent Dan. He supports Bruce for his own benefit to my detriment, knowingly and willfully, since there is no longer pretense of plausible deniability.